Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's good you're here, patrons, because you keep this good place going. This good place to sleep. It's time for sleep with me. Podcast to put you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. Uh, what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's the thoughts, feelings, physical sensations... Uh, travel if you're traveling around or you got travelers here or work schedule you know life stuff whatever is keeping awake I'd like to take your mind off of that what I'm going to do uh, first off I got this safe place and uh, you know if you're new or even if you're regular you say well let me just pro- this is a like I guess probe's the wrong word but it's kind of like a pokeable safe place because it's a place it doesn't mind being poked oh boy I actually didn't check in with the safe place. Maybe we'll call the safe place in a little later. Uh, but it's a, you can kind of, you know, say, you know, say, oh, you know, every once in a while you got to double check, right? You're a human. You say, okay, is there room for me to breathe here? I think so. Is it, is it feel comfortable? Yeah. Uh, or, well, I don't know. Let me see. If you're new, you say, well, I'm skeptical about this safe place. I say, well, come on in. Have a look around to see what you think. Uh, no pressure, because here's what I'm going to do within this safe place, is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, vocabulary, uh, deficient voc- vocabulary deficiencies. There you go. I finally... Add a, quick, add a Y onto that, and we'll fix it. Thanks, vocabulary brain. I don't, you know, not that you need a, you know, you're doing a great job. It's intentional. You you work extra hard at making things a little bit harder to follow. That's part of the show. Uh, long soon to a pointless meander, super, all to take your mind off. So if, if you're new, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. The main thing is that I hope it, I can help you. Uh, fall asleep or help take your mind off of stuff as you fall asleep so we could see how it goes uh if you're curious the, the kind of curiosity if you're new to kind of take this take in the show is like a like a curiosity a low stakes curiosity a curiosity where you really don't care and i do have of course a metaphor for that kind of like if you're watching a bird and this is a curiosity point you say hmm like in your, you're in that totally chill zone. Maybe you're on vacay, vacation, vacay, or uh, you're just really, you know, sitting somewhere relaxing, or you're just being mindful in the moment, and you're watching a bird, and you're not a birder. You're just, a, you're just like me, like an amateur, occasional bird view. You may be a bird viewer. You may be a bird watcher. You might be a will watcher that likes birds. And you're watching the bird go across the sky. Maybe you're curious what kind of bird it is. And then this happens to me. I get curious. Wonder where that bird's going. The sky's pretty big and birds can fly pretty high. So at some point you might kind of be like, huh. Well, anyway, I got other stuff. Like you move, you're curious. And this isn't to offend any birds out there. You wonder, oh, maybe it's just flying. Or you say, huh, well, I moved on. My attention's moved on because I was curious, but not super, not so curious. I had to find out where the, you know, I wondered where, where's that bird going? Uh, birdhouse, bird nest, uh, catching up with a flock. Uh, you're going to go to a tree and just look around. Uh, Ideally, it stays wherever it is in the distance if it's going to do its own sky business. Uh, but I think I think I, I'm thinking I'm clear. And they say, "Huh? Oh yeah, I forgot. I was looking at that bird. Well, it's gone now." And then you, you, th- those are the kind of things you could forget about. You know, usually you don't even feel bad. You know, you say, "Oh yeah, well, well." Anyway, back to my oh, we got to tie my shoe. So if you're new, 
you, you kind of be curious and kind of watch this podcast, but you don't have to concentrate too much. I guess that was what I was actually trying to say is if you try to force yourself to watch a bird in the sky, you might start to resent that bird. You say, well, can you get, are you going, first off, can you hear me? No. Are, do you happen to be the one kind of bird that lives, can read my thoughts? Uh, let me see if I can get a hold of her. Yep. Okay. You are there. Hey, I'm just trying. Thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me dial you in. Hoping any of the other stuff I said, uh, oh, you weren't listening. You're flying around. Oh, good. Because that's kind of what I was trying to explain to the listeners is uh, if you focus too much on where a bird's going, you might start to, like, if you say, okay, how long are you going to fly across the sky for? I know it's great. I can't fly. Oh, really? Flying is as great as it seems. What, what do you prefer, soaring or flying? They're both amazing. Oh, really? Like, okay, well, I guess that's uh, makes. Uh, do do you, do you ever feel like a sense of performance when you're flying and, and humans are watching you, kind of watching you? Sometimes. Okay, well, that's good. To, that's a, a more good information. Uh, so I was just telling people like sometimes. Uh, it's just better to watch a bird when you're watching it, but not to have the pressure to watch it get all the way to its destination. Oh, right. Sometimes you're just flying around. Okay. Well, that may, okay. I'll, get, I'll try to get back to you. Thank you. Oh, what podcast? Oh, it's called Sleep With Me. Oh, yeah, you're chuckling. No, no, no. It's like, like let's say you got to your nest uh, and you're, you're, you're kicking off your family thing. And you're there, and you're you're tending to your your future flock, you know, keeping those eggs warm. And you you, uh, but then you say, well, you got to think about these eggs and everything. You know, when about you start to think either about when you were just hatched or when they're going to hatch, and then you uh, you say, wow, that's a lot to think about. Oh, when you when that happens, you just remember flying, and that of course that's a, that's that's coping mechanism, I think, or just healthy bird behavior. Uh, but if you did have a bigger brain, I mean, I don't know, and I'm not. This isn't a judgment. I'm pretty sure, no offense, your brain's like smaller than a pea. That's just what I've imagined. But it does, yeah. But you can fly, of course. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I just was like, I guess I just harbor a little bit of jealousy because you can fly. In the soaring part, more gets me on the thermals. I wouldn't believe how it feels. I guess I wouldn't because it sounds like it feels great. So, oh, so I guess like if you had something on your mind and you couldn't imagine flying, well, I guess you wouldn't be imagining. You'd be recalling it or anticipating future flights. Uh, I would tell you a story to take your mind off of that. Uh, maybe in your case, it'd be a story about flying. I did actually do an episode called Cloud Tower. Oh, you'll check it out? Great. Oh, could I give you a phone? Possibly. I'll think about it. <laughs> Let me think about it, actually. Um, so th- that's how the podcast works. Here's the other thing, just why I have you here. You might like this. No pressure to listen. I always tell the new listeners that they don't need to listen to me. I'm here to keep them company and take their mind off stuff and not over-engage them so they can kind of turn the volume, yeah, just to how they want it. Exactly my point. Uh, yeah, sometimes you feel like flapping your wings. Sometimes you feel like flapping your gums if you're a human. Well, we don't have wings, unfortunately, so gum flapping. Oh, that was a joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, ooh. You t- you could you just no offense, bird. Could you just like accept my information? If really not looking for two part to uh, to go on, maybe I should. If if only I had that in my toolbox, picturing myself soaring. Okay, I can kind of feel that. Yeah, yes, yeah, so a podcast a little bit like that, soaring up above things. Thank you. Sorry, I guess I was judging you before. You are a good partner. Yeah, and you see. You're either seeing the big picture or you're just up there relaxed and on the thermals and you don't really, there is no picture at all. It just is. Wow. Yeah. You're just there soaring. Wow. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, so that's kind of thing. You, you might not even be looking. So the podcast is kind of like that. You don't need to listen to it. Just like a bird up on the thermals soaring. 
Okay, kind of almost like a bird up on the thermostat soaring. Thanks for that correction. And here's the other thing. No pressure to fall asleep. That's kind of weird that it's a sleep podcast. But this podcast is more here to keep you company as you drift off and be here in case you can't sleep or, or you wake up. That's why the shows are an hour. Plenty of time to fall asleep whenever you want. Uh, but also it's why... Uh, I make the show all the way to the very end. Uh, like uh, tonight, we'll be talking about the good place. Uh, once I get through the intro, so the show structurally goes uh, business. That's how we keep the show free. Then an intro, which is a part of the show, about twelve or fourteen minutes, where we kind of find some fun friend to talk to and attempt to explain what the podcast is. And a lot of listeners fall asleep during that. A lot of other listeners use it as part of their wind down. Kind of like they're sore up. Exactly. Uh, I prefer another word other than sore up uh, because it kind of sounds like sore up, uh, but uh, we'll work on it. You're right. If I had a more extensive vocabulary, it would have been, okay, oh boy. You must listen to the podcast. You're just playing with me. Oh, you're soaring around in my brain. That's why. So you're a subconscious bird. Well, now you've been brought into my consciousness. You, is, can you get, could you fly, could, could you, could I send a message to you like a pigeon to Dr. Freud to see what Dr. Freud has to say about all this? I wouldn't want to know the answer. Okay, good. That's all I needed to know. Thank you. So could you go back to Soren while I finish this? So, um, and even this could be like, oh, so there's a long intro, uh, that is part of the show helps you wind down. A few, two or three percent of listeners skip ahead to the story or the discussion of the good place tonight. So that's the oh, so so that's the structure of the show. You don't need to listen. No pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for about an hour. I think I covered everything. Oh, that's another thing you like to do is cover things. Yeah, I'm aware of it. I see my car. I see. What do these birds say? Uh, so yeah. So if you're new or you're a regular listener, I'm glad you're here. I hope the podcast can keep you company if you can't sleep. Uh, but ideally, you just drift off. You listen for a little while. You know, maybe get to the talk uh, coming up about the Soul Squad and what happened in the episode. Or maybe you don't. You know, maybe you're just picturing that boar, bird soaring. Boar, uh, I guess if boar bird. I think we did. We have used that before, boar bird. But I'll be your, like your boar bird. Where you're watching it, the thermals, the flapping, the drifting, maybe a feather fluttering to the ground. There's some vocabulary. Yes, thank you, Bird. It's at eighth grade level. Terrific. Well, um, Ian, uh, you know, you, you relax and you can drift away. Uh, whether it's on eagle's wings or the breast of dawn or, you know, just like a cloud or something, you know, floating sponge of relaxation. Oh, yeah, should have stuck to the sky metaphors. Or, you know, there's just things that come up sometimes that keep us awake, uh, that go from our subconscious, where they could have just been flying around, minding their own business, and staying, you know, I don't know if birds have heard this term, but staying in their lane. And then they fly, in, you know, and then they say, hey, I got a lot to add to this conversation. And I appreciate it because it is like about uh, sometimes seeing the big picture and sometimes saying, I don't need to see any picture at all. I'm just here in the moment fully. And I guess sleep with me is neither of those. It's like, uh, hey, I'm kind of in the moment of the podcast listening, but I'm not invested in that moment. And as you listen to it go on and, and again, episode discussion coming up here. You can drift off uh, and get some rest because you really, truly do deserve a good night's sleep. That's what I believe. That's why I'm glad you're here. And that's why I work hard on this show. Uh, thanks for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep the show uh, going. All right. Hey, everybody. We're talking about season three, episode uh, 12 or 13, kind of depending on chapter 39, maybe, depending on how you're uh, uh, divine, defining things or divi divining things. That's an accidental pun there. It a uh, really great episode, Pandemonium. And I, of course, don't know uh, 
Malcolm something is uh, the doctor Jeff Goldblum plays uh, in uh, those Jurassic movies. A little bit different take on it, but a really beautiful one. Really, this is one of those episodes that's just beautiful. Uh, uh, really uh, unbelievably well done. Um, let me just uh, got to do one thing here. Uh, you, you won't notice, but I, I will. I'm just going to turn on the old. Uh, uh, let's see. The episode opens with uh, uh, the previous episode. Michael and Eleanor talking. Michael can't, you know, do it. He doesn't want to face uh, the new residents. Uh, doesn't want to put his friends at risk. Uh, uh, previously, Eleanor says, "Pull it together. You got this." Uh, Michael talks about what it'd be like an epic fail, failure to end all failures. Uh, what's that say? Cancel or council or serial? Talk about being a fearless leader, middle management. You can do it is the thing. And uh, she says, you're the architect. You know, you, you're you're a smart, capable. Tries to pump up Michael. Take a deep breath and open that door and say, hi, I'm, I'm, hi John. I'm the Mi- Michael, the architect. Come on in. And then we see Eleanor open the door. And she says, hi, John, I'm the architect. I'm Eleanor, the architect. Come on in. Then we get the opening card, chapter 39. Really good handwriting. So Eleanor at desk, okay. Oh, Mats, I think that says, uh, because she she still has her. Oh, mints. I said, is that a thing of mints? That's what I did say. Like, and they looked like uh, the, uh, the round ones with the hole in the middle. Maybe not, though. I'm looking at them right now. Everything else is kind of like Michael's, uh, she's talking about live squares, what, when, when mints, uh, I don't think any of that happened. I don't know what live squares mean. Uh, uh, oh, lifesavers, that says, uh, you, you basic, uh, she says you basically in the big farm in the sky, uh, which is pretty funny. And she says, don't, don't worry, John Wharton or something, uh. I caught his name, but couldn't read my name. Uh, he says, you're in a good place. Uh, checks his file. It's uh, Actually, what's interesting about his file is that uh, so it's printed on dot matrix paper, the, the first part of his file, uh, with that green and uh, white uh, kind of spacing to make it easier to read or classify stuff. Uh, and, but it looks like it's more of a, a laser ink or something, jet 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 phased uh, printout. Oh no, maybe not. I'm wrong. It's just a high quality. You know, I, I'll admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong. I'm looking at it right now. It is definitely uh, like a, a higher quality dot matrix, like made in the last twenty years, or you know, a dot matrix font, and it's all written in uh, uh, kind of the cryptograms or whatever they use. No real letters that I could see. And then there's another page Eleanor goes to that's not the green. It's more of like a chart type thing or with a, those things called like boxes and not a graph. You insert them in, in spreadsheets or stuff uh, where everything's boxed off. I don't know. It makes it easier to, to relay information about John. Uh, Sono, page two is boxes. Okay, that's what that says. Uh, she says, have you met my assistant, Michael, who's sitting behind next to a plant in the background? Uh, he, he's new. He just was came, transferred over from dog heaven. So that's why he's getting used to people. Then we cut to the good place. Uh, we see Foot Lager, uh, which had boots of beer, big leaves, pints of beer, or mugs maybe. And Jen says, so are you like an angel or something? Uh, Eleanor laughs. Uh, engaging a shortwave. Uh, I don't know what that means either, but uh, she says, uh, you and your 320 neighbors, uh, so 322 people. And John asks why that is uh, significant. Uh, Everything's here for you to enjoy eternity, you and your 321 neighbors. Maybe that was what that word was, uh, eternity. Engaging shortwave, it looks like. uh, Janet shows up. She was Janet. Eleanor kind of gets Janet to play along. It's me, Eleanor, the architect of Good Place. Uh, there's also so John's talking the whole time. In the background behind him is a, a, a dude in shorts, 
uh, eating an ice cream cone. I couldn't tell if he was talking to somebody. He's either talking to an imaginary friend or a real friend that's uh, sitting behind John so we can't see them. Really great uh, extra work, I'd say. I salute that person. Uh, unless they said, just eat ice cream and talk, pretend you're talking to a cat. He nailed it, if that was the director, or the director nailed it. Uh, let's see. This is a part I was so distracted. I was distracted at this next part coming up, so we might have to do a little. We got to slow it down even more. Ion crane care cleaning and talking to someone, get some froyo. They think that's just, oh, the guy was chewing his ice cream. That's ice cream cone chewing and talking to someone. Eleanor told John to go get some froyo. We have the first of two Drake, Ruth Bader Ginsburg jokes. Uh, John says, why isn't Janet running the neighborhood? But then we have a Soul Squad meeting in the alley. You know, so distracted by the sign in the background, which took me forever to uh, to, 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 to decipher. Uh, but it was for a beignet shop, a beignet in the Jets. Uh, it's a, we get, like, either between me and the um, good place, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of uh, Elton John shout-outs. Uh, beignet in the Jets, beignet, uh, beignet. Uh, Jason's back in uh, the Buddhist monk robes. They're a little bit different, uh, brighter color. I don't know if there's a joke. I think they're brighter color. And I think there's, so I'm going to watch this because I thought I missed a joke in here about um, uh, napkins. Helenor says, new plan, I'm the architect. Uh, I already told John, so don't, you know, that's no going back. Uh, Tahani says, anyone be immortal uh, that I would pick would be me, and if it wasn't me, it would be you. Jason says, you're going to rock this, you're like the Blake Bortles, whatever's going on right now. And Helenor says, I think I can do it. And she says, also, there's a time I studied Brad Pitt, wanted to be an architect. I uh, read a lot of those interviews. Uh, and then Michael will be back to normal soon. He's just stressed because he was experiencing love. Uh, Michael says, look at the Soul Squad together. I love you so much. Uh, so she says, Chidi, have Janet get the files. Tahani, work on the welcome party. Okay, she says, for the napkins, I normally do Queen's Tuck, uh, but I was thinking of shaking it up and doing a Yorkshire butterfly. I didn't get to look that up because I missed I saw the joke the first time I was watching the episode for pleasure, but then uh, not one of the other two times I was watching it for. Uh, so let's see, Chidi files. Chidi, then the next scene is Chidi's got files everywhere. Eleanor's enjoying, because she, she's like, I'm a world-class liar. Uh like dating my, uh, oh, this, she says, this is a little bit like dating my boss. I think she says world-class liar, baby. Eleanor does a handshake kiss move on Chidi. Chai, oh, I just saw a label that I didn't notice before. Chai something. Chidi, not Chidi. Maybe drinking a chai. Eleanor has a rainbow shirt on. I can't read it. It's not a John Wheaton. That's the name, though, the John. Uh, Elsa Eleanor smacks cheese behind. Tahani meets John, who had a blog about uh, who was quite M E A N to Tahani. He claims it was truth to power. And she says, What are the odds? And then she actually, this is a fast moving part. She says, What are words? Odds are impossible. So she runs back to Good Place HQ. She says, It is a high Tahani. Uh, John was a gossip columnist, uh, shallow. Plagued with jealous, oh, she says, who saw me as shallow, plagued with jealous, jealousy and prone to fits of melodrama. And really, uh, I mean, this episode was the most uh, top-notch acting we've seen. Uh, I mean, I think William Jackson Harper in particular, but everybody was on point. Uh, let's see, plagued, plagued with the jealousy, prone to fits of melodrama. It was just really funny. Since... Uh, since in war, wardrobe ball place tricks, uh, they say this must be bad place. I don't know, like uh, the bad place chose this. Uh, so then they had call a meeting with a, a judge, the judge and Sean. Uh, Tahani mentions Diddy's white party. Uh, Sean was in a red square. Judge was in a blue square. They're kind of like FaceTiming. 
And she's snacking. I don't know if this is product placement. She, there was a Starbucks bag on her desk. Like she was snacking on a like coffee cake or something. Oh, oh this is where, why is it this in here? Simone, uh, they say, Michael says, Jesus, why didn't I anticipate Sean doing this? Like making, picking people that were difficult. Uh, and then Tahani, uh, Eleanor, and uh, Michael go out, and Simone's in the waiting room, our exes. Uh, then they have the FaceTime meeting. Red Square, Blue Square, Starbucks. Sean's also Sean's desk has a blotter and a desk set, just like Michael's, uh, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, this was my daughter's favorite joke. It was in probably mine. Uh, they start to come up with a plan, and Eleanor says, "Jason, talk to no one, go nowhere, and do nothing." He says, "I won't let you down." Uh, Sean talks about checkmate. Chidi's not okay. It's normal. Avoid, just avoid Simone, they say. And he goes, no, no. They say, you could probably go 10,000 years without running into her. Because uh, the judge says, okay, you can't undo what's done, but you can blank Simone's memory of all of you. But then Chidi's kind of like, well, I can't blank my memory of her and I'll give it away. Because uh, Eleanor says, avoid him. He says, no, no, I'm like a ethics teacher of the Soul Squad. To say, okay, we got to go step by step. Step one, I don't know what step one is. Uh, like, uh, do, 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 do Jason don't talk to anybody. Uh, step two, let's see, don't, before, don't, you won't run into Simone. Easy to avoid her. She's kind of making points. Michael's thinking. We'll plan help them learn ethics. Uh, Eleanor says, we'll deal with it later. Let's just take it step by step. Uh, step one, you know, let me talk to Simone. We got to check her in here to fake heaven. Uh, then we have Tahani staring at John. And uh, where, where did I uh, she says, Janet, I'm going to give John an insult. Is this one good? Uh, she says, what is that shirt? Mark Fakeups. Uh, and Janet says, yeah, 87% chance uh, it'll work. But there's a 29% chance he'll get, give a quip back. Oh, honey. And uh, it'll uh, deflate her. And she says, uh, there's a really good uh, smile, like a knowing smile from Janet. And Tahani says, you know what? This is what the bad place wants me to do. There was It was right at the end. There was a little button on the end of Tahani saying, I'm going to be nice. Uh, I'm not going to be try to throw shade at John and ask him if his shirt is or shoes are Mark Fakeups. Uh, then we have orf platters. I shan't, uh, old patterns. Uh, that's what Tahani says. I shan't let it uh, get to me. Then Eleanor comes out, meets Simone, says, Hi, Simone, come on in. She says, Let me give you a tour. Lasagna tomorrow. Lasagna tomorrow. Maybe there's a middle thing. There's a restaurant I didn't notice on any of the other passes. Okay, then uh, uh, Simone's eating Froyo. And uh, she says, uh, half strawberry, half uh, busted male coworkers taking your ideas. Uh, uh, oh, she's getting a tour. She also says, uh, Eleanor says, what do you think about this? You know, afterlife thing. She goes, well, it could be a complex neurochemical uh, caused by my, you know, reaction caused by my synapses firing in milliseconds after I passed away. And Eleanor says, don't, you know, don't bother meeting anybody. Just hang out. Even though the town's jamming, and Simone seems very outgoing, it seems inevitable. Then we see Chidi watching from afar. I don't need to get to the timer, just a chill talk, me and Michael. Uh, I think Eleanor says, just chill, dude, uh, to, to, to Chidi. I need to get something. Uh, Chidi looking over. Oh, this is a. Uh, oh, that's when Eleanor says to, to, to Simone not to talk to anybody. Chidi's looking on background. Uh, Eleanor says one of her old power moves was not recognizing people she recognized. Uh, this one of my deep. I said, well, if I recognize a person and they don't recognize me, how do I handle that? Uh, so th- th- I never know how to greet people. Uh, she says, I think it's going to be okay. She says, no, it's not. No forking way. Uh, Eleanor says, I used to run to Max's all the time. Uh, she says, Simone's perceptive. Uh, there's a great Eleanor-Michael exchange look there. 
And they say, well, what about, uh, and Chidi's really, this This is the scene uh, uh, where there just has to be just emotional undertone that has to get across uh, for it not to seem really, really heavy lifting, in, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Chidi, really, 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 I don't know, <laughs> I'm so used to referring to Chidi, uh, just great acting, uh, so, uh, no racing us, because uh, they say, well, you could blank Chidi's memory of Simone. They say, no, you can't just do that. You'd race everything. Uh, you know, they're like, well, who are you going to have? That's Chidi's like, this is what we're going to have to do to make this work. Uh, and Eleanor's, of course, like, uh, I don't know. The th- things are going good. Uh, then we have so- Ed and then a Soul Squad meeting uh, coming up with a plan. Next time, I want to remember you. Oh, because she tells the whole rest of the Soul Squad, uh, I'm not going to remember, tomorrow I won't remember anybody. And Jason has a few things about pizza, nobody. Uh, second Drake and Ruth Bader Ginsburg joke, we see the hourglass, uh, or at least I notice the hourglass. Uh, most intricate cork pork. Okay, let me see if uh, this was, uh, couldn't pick this one up, but let me see if I can pick it up in the uh, closed captioning. Eleanor says something, the most intricate cork pork, uh, you know, that the way, or core pork, uh, luster, I don't know what, what it was. Uh, Andy says, yeah, I haven't met a more perfect couple than Drake and Moose Ruthgater Ginsburg. The bad place is pulled off, uh, the most intricate cork pork of all time. I don't know what word it is. Uh, oh, no, now I do. Okay. It took me a while, uh. It's a blocking of a rooster, a cork blork. But you know, that's only five five times watching the episode to get that one. Cork blork. That really is, is so funny. Like, uh, I don't know why I didn't. I was thinking that was an F bomb or something, but it's more of a blocking of the rooster uh, with the hen, particularly by part of, you know, you know what I mean. Old fashioned brainstorm, like it says, throw pencils, eat Chinese food. Say that classic ham, not merch you can. Do snippy snappy. Uh, let's see if I could recall what actually was said there. Old-fashioned brainstorm. Say that classic human. Oh, this is a classic human. Michael says, I can't deal. Like, uh, and Helena says, this is human. So like, sometimes your friends go through hard times and you can't do anything except uh, be there for them. Snippy snappy, whip wipey wipey. Uh, there was a nice hand holding of uh, Chidi and Eleanor. Then this is the this is the scene uh, that people probably are talking about and will be. I don't know if you can pack as much like ever since the opening of the movie Pixar movie up. Uh, I don't know if a mu- much uh, relationship emotional resonance has been packed into one scene. And this one was in that was at the top of the movie. This is at the like, the high point of the episode. Uh, but Chidi and Eleanor, so you watch those two back to back, maybe. Uh, but Chidi and Eleanor alone, uh, and Chidi says, every time I get a stomach ache, um, you know, think of me. There's another restaurant I couldn't figure out, which was Ponzu something. So I feel bad about that. Infinite Light is still there. I think that's been in like every reboot, maybe. I don't know for sure. And then we have this uh, short movie. Uh, like, uh, you just should really watch this episode. Oh, whoops. Hold on, though. Rewind because I just saw behind Michael. We may actually get the name of the restaurant. Uh, if I can pause it exactly at the right time. Hold on, Ponzu. Um, it was only there for a second, it was like a wider shot, and then it goes close on Michael. The pause didn't work because my screen went gray. Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? Yeah, just waiting to try to figure out this Ponzu. No, I can't figure it out. It was just a little bit out of focus. Uh, but Michael launches this movie, Some Memories You May Have Forgotten. And I don't know if these are all lifted from the show or some are new, I didn't, you know, because I don't read anything about it. Uh, but there was, according to my notes, uh, 15 uh, different scenes tucked into three or four minutes. And we'll run through them. Some members you may have forgotten. A silent movie montage. I don't know how long it is. Maybe I'll check check when Michael starts rolling. Uh, let's see. It's 
rolling now. 2039 on my account. We'll check it later. Of course, I didn't write it down. So, the memories. So, silent movie montage shows her first hug, a cafe, sushi and the sushi and the banshees, the sushi cart, uh, ethics 101, with uh, uh, Hume, David Hume, and uh, uh, Eleanor studying. Oh, there's a big hug. I wonder when that was. Oh, there's the awkward hug. The first real hug, the first awkward hug. Did I miss all that already? And then they keep cutting back to them for real. Uh, Kardashian-Jenner family tree, uh, which Eleanor runs through, which I could probably back up and check if you want me to. Us Weekly, Chidi studying Us Weekly while Eleanor's teaching about the Kardashians that seem... Into the Den of Thieves by Gary Perello. I looked up last time, or Lions or something. Couldn't find that, but I assume it's real. Uh, handshake and stomach ache to hug. Uh, an awkward hug. Uh, they go home, there's a llama in, the, in their place, or Eleanor's place. Uh, there's their picturesque boat trip. Uh, like that, that, uh, I think it was at the end of season one. Uh, Eleanor putting a sweater on to a chalkboard, kiss a cheaty and a smile. Uh, cafe, alfresco kiss, a mega kiss. Uh, uh, resting, pino, rain. Oh, that's later. Uh, lean in, alley kiss, a 1920s train ride. Uh, an inside disagreement, an outside disagreement. Uh, waiting at the train station, and Chidi comes around with a bag, uh, drops it, and kisses Eleanor. That was uh, that was a pretty legit kiss too. Uh, then, like, uh, let's see, we'll get to the last uh, scene. But I was just uh, bang banging out, Re- really uh, advanced. Lo- oh, here's the Jenner family tree. Let's just see. Pause it here. I just rewound it though. Sushi and the Banshees. Janet's in different. Uh, I guess the different reboots. Uh, David Hume out of fo- oh, yeah, a little bit about David Hume in focus. Chloe and Tristan, uh, Eleanor standing in front of it. So we got uh, Robert, Chris, and Caitlin and Linda are all connected by dotted lines. So, so Caitlin and Linda had Brody, who's also married to a Caitlin with a K, I think. Uh, then Brandon and Leah, they have a sign that maybe that means they're not in a relationship anymore. Uh, and Ava. Uh, then we have Kendall and uh, Kylie. Those are Chris and Caitlin's children. And Kylie and Travis. And they have uh, Storm. Is that uh, Stormy? Is that it? I can't, I can't read it. Uh, then let's see. We have Rob and Black, B-L-A-C. And I can't quite read that. Chloe and Tristan, I think uh, Courtney. And uh, it went fast, so I didn't have it all. But uh, you, you you could look it up. Okay, then they have a resting, reading piano, a oh, reading picnic. Uh, this is the last scene. Uh, 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 Eleanor and uh, Cheetah reading during a picnic. It starts to rain. Then they uh, full-on love dancing and kiss in the rain, uh, slow dance. You know, Passion City, pretty good. And then they're like, yeah, this is pretty good. I'm going to miss you. And then Eleanor says, except you won't. Uh, Eleanor also calls herself a legit snack. Uh, time means this. Okay, this is so romantic. Chidi always has the most romantic things to say. He says that uh, time means nothing. Uh, we, like uh, Jeremy, bear me. Like uh, when all this is over, we can just hang out on the dot of the eye forever. Is that I mean, he said other romantic things that were more romantic than that that I forget. Uh, but that's pretty romantic. Uh, we'll be okay because the eye is where there's you know t- nothing, no time, time, you know some, whatever. Uh, you could watch that episode again. But they say, geez, we found each other uh, before, or whatever, through thousands of reboots. Uh, really, really deep scene. Uh, um, I mean, for, for, for the show. But you think about uh, how many, I don't, I don't know how many sitcoms have uh, this kind of uh, emotional tautness, I guess, maybe. 
I mean, it's a fraught thing to try to pull off, but they pulled it off. Um, and I guess they didn't try too hard. Like, they had the, the scene and then, and then just the two of them talking. Uh, I wish we had more time together. Oh, time means nothing. Jeremy, bear me, baby. We'll get through this. And then you and I could chill out in the dot of the eye forever, Chidi just said. As I said earlier, Eleanor says, we'll be okay. Found each other before hundreds of times. Scoots just said this. Uh, We'll do it again. And they're both nodding, staring. And then Michael says, yo, it's time. Oh, wait, there's another store. Let me see if I can see this one. I got I'm like Eleanor. I got to interrupt this emotional uh, stuff. Uh, so once again saying, Jeremy, bury me, baby. Then you and I could chill out in the dot of the eye forever. Right, uh, Eleanor says, we'll be okay. She's wearing this nice green sweatshirt. They found each other before hundreds of times. Scoots just said twice. Said we can do it again. Mall chocolate, milk chocolate, everything. That was the store. Good thing, you know. That's worth it. You got to hear that. You know, it's Valentine's Day maybe coming up for for people. So put that on a card, you know, and also credit the uh, credit the good place. So Anzu Crame. Yeah, I still couldn't read the Panzu sign. Owners watching Chidi walk away. Slow mo. Uh, they gave each other a goodbye kiss, too, by the way. And then the commercial comes. Uh, then the next scene is Eleanor at her desk, uh, uh, formerly Michael's desk, and uh, now the architect's desk. Uh, she's thinking, uh, Jan, she says, Jan, I need to tell tell me the answer. You know, I need your help. And uh, uh, Janet appears. Uh, she goes, you know, just tell me everything. Uh, Jana has this unbelievably good look, too. You know, the answer to everything Eleanor says. Oh, I forgot to look up how long that uh, scene was. Here's that. So, like, uh, what's the point of love if it's just going to disappear? You know, better to love or never love at all, whatever. Again, another great look. Uh, Eleanor's got her share of looks, but she's, you know, having to talk, too. And uh, she says, I know how it feels. You know, I, I, Jason didn't know me, even though we were in love. Uh, and uh, it didn't feel good. I didn't like how it felt. Uh, and she said, the more human I become, the less things make sense. Oh, boy, is that deep. Uh, let me just say that. Let me rewind it and say it again. Because yeah, I hear you, Janet. The more human I become, the less things make sense. Uh, and she says, but if it was all automated, it would be like if it'd be like a food processor, right? Uh, if they gave you the answer and it made sense, uh, it wouldn't be special. Uh, just m- machinery fulfilling its cosmic design. That's not what I'm, you know, I'm becoming human to, 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 to partake in. Sorry, I'm just I'm paraphrasing here or adding my own. It's euphoria. And all this randomness, this pandemonium, you and Chidi found each other. You had a life together. Isn't that remarkable? A great smile by Eleanor. And Eleanor says, that's from Paradise Lost, pandemonium. That was the center of the, the not good place. And she goes, Chidi tricked me into that, saying, you know, the, the person down there was my type. Uh, and... Uh, Jane says, yeah, that's on brand for you. Uh, and then the credits start to run. And Eleanor says, I guess I have to embrace the pandemonium. Find happiness in this unique insanity of being here now. And then uh, Jane says, uh, uh, we can do this together. In the words of the man I love, I got you, dog. I mean, really, just, just writing. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, and, uh, she goes, you're a great girlfriend, great robot girlfriend, uh, Janet. Janet goes, I'm only one of those three, a friend. Cause she's had to tell Jason the other two things. So she's not a thousand times. And then we have a, a quick second of, uh, Eleanor alone. She gets up from the desk and she goes out. She says, hi, Chidi, I'm Eleanor. Come on in. And they both have nice smiles, uh. Uh, wow, <laughs> really tugger. You know, this episode was real tugger. You know, tugging on the strings like Ricky Ticky Tavy style. So that was a, g- a good one. And now let's uh, dig into like some research here. Uh, that's why it sounds like it, because I'm, you know, I'm so emotional. 
Okay, good place finale, which was called Pandemonium. So let's start with uh, the SAVE, like Savings Bank of LIFE, uh, which was an American brand, according to Wikipedia, of hard candy and mints, uh, fruit-flavored, known for its distinctive packaging in paper-wrapped aluminum foil rolls. Uh, Clarence Crane of Garrettsville, Ohio, also the father of uh, poet Hart Crane, invented this as a summer candy in 1912 that could withstand heat better than chocolate. Uh, Its name is derived from a similar shape uh, to the things uh, when you throw someone who falls off a boat. Uh, Registered the trademark and then sold the rights to Peppermint uh, peppermint Candy uh, to Edward John Noble. Oh, that was the name of his company, Cranes. 2900 bucks. And Noble went to the tinfoil wrappers from cardboard rolls, uh, which didn't work. Uh, and he founded the Life Sabers uh, Candy Company in 1913, expanded the market uh, by putting them next to cash registers of restaurants and grocery stores. He said uh, to give always give customers a nickel in their change to include sales of the five-cent lifesavers. Uh, the slogan, still only five cents, helped them become a favorite treat for children with a tight allowance. Uh, the first five-flavor will appear to not, all, all the way in 1935. Here's a fact about Scoots. Uh, don't rare, uh, often get my hands on lifesavers that are multi-flavored. I'm a big coconut. Like when I do have that tropical lifesavers, I like all the tropical ones. But I love that. Ever since I was a kid, I loved that coconut lifesaver. If I got to go with the five original pride cherry. Um, They've had uh, lots of other ones, including holes. That's discontinued. I remember those holes. Uh, Lollipops, uh, gummy savers. Those are real. They they do make a quality gummy saver. Uh, let's see. So, uh, what else do we got here? Port Chester, New York, uh, it was the primary manufacturing spot. Uh, by 1919, they had six uh, flavors other than mint uh, Wintergreen, Quellove, Licorice, uh, Cinnamon, and Violet, uh, and Chocolate, Malto Milk. Uh, man, I gotta, I gotta get myself a time machine just to try these. Uh, uh, they've tra- traded like uh, you know multinational corporations over the years. Let's see, but more than a few times. I mean, if you knew some of these owners, you'd say, "What? You got to be kidding me!" The truth is, they made a Roy Kroc movie. I mean, I don't know if it's just interesting tracing tracing the. Uh, uh, but Wrigley's was the last owner, and then Mars acquired Wrigley's. Uh, so I'm assuming that's who they're still run by. Uh, so it's just a little bit about it. I don't know, because I was wondering if those were on our desk. I also wondered about certs, because uh, they have this thing called Retson. I said, what the heck is that Retson that you hear about in certs commercials? Certs uh, is a breath mint, uh, long most popular mint, 1956. Uh, they're classified mints, but they have no oils of any mint plant. Uh, they contain retsin, a trademark name for copper, gluconate, uh, hydrogenated cottonseed oil, and flavoring. And it's the copper, gluten, G-L-U-C-O-N-A, retsin, or the source that gives it the green flakes, which is a copper salt of D-gluconic acid. It is an odorless light blue or blue-green crystal or powder. Soluble in water, insoluble in ethanol, and it may, may or may not may not may or may not help your breath, uh, but uh, comes in those. What about uh, this? Is from thoughtco.com. You know, let's just do a quick run through about a Buddhist monks. Uh, this is by Barbara O'Brien. It was updated uh, to July twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, serene orange robed Buddhist monks are an iconic figure in the West. Uh, uh, but they don't all wear uh, orange robes, uh, and some of them are not celibate vegetarians that live in monasteries. Uh, uh, according to the although the historical Buddha did have his disciples, early Buddhism was pro- primarily monastic. Uh, from the foundations of Buddhism, the monastic Sangha has been the primary container that maintained the integrity of the Dharma and passed on to new generations. 
uh, for centuries, the monastics were the teachers, scholars, and clergy. Uh, let's see. An establishment of lineage tradition. Uh, uh, the Let's see. The original order was established by the historical Buddha. Uh, there was no formal ordination ceremony, but as more and more disciples grew, uh, Buddha adopted more stringent procedures. Uh, one of the most important stipulations attributed to the Buddha was that uh, uh, fully ordained monks uh, must be present at the orda- ordination and fully ordained. Uh, okay, so different types of monks. Uh, maybe, maybe there's like an unbroken lineage. I don't know. There's two tiers of ordination. This is a nice article about it uh, if, if you want to learn more. And it has some links to other articles. Uh, what about that beignet in the Jets? Uh, if you know me, I'm an Elton fan. Uh, and Benny and the Jets uh, is a song by uh, Elton and Bernie, uh, just like uh, the last uh, little song we covered. Uh, first appeared on Goodbye Yellowbird Road in 73. One of the most popular songs uh, was performed at Live Aid. Uh, it's been, uh, Benny's been uh, written. Is B E N N Y and B E N N I E. It was on uh, side one. Uh, Elton didn't want to release it as a single because he didn't think it would uh, uh, work. Uh, but first it went wide in uh, Ontario, then in Detroit, uh, and uh, you know became a top forty song. It was it was also John's first top hit, top forty hit on what the time was called Billboard Hot Soul Single Chart, where it peaked at fifteen. Uh, the song tells the story of Benny and the Jets, a fictional band whom uh, the song's narrator is a fan. It's written in G major. Uh, Bernie said the song's lyrics are a satire on the music industry of the seventies, a glitz and greed. Yeah, so the, a lot of the lyrics affect that uh, mohair suit. You know, I read it in a magazine. Oh, yeah, let's see what else. Uh, they in the studio, Elton John and the band were. It was too plain and unoriginal, and that's why Elton John fought tooth and nail against it coming out as a single. It was one of the oddest songs we ever recorded, according to Davy Johnstone. We just sat back and said, this is really hot. It sounds, it sounds like me and Bernie would get along great. Uh, while uh, mixing the album, they added reverb, applause, and other things from uh, other concerts, and even a Jimi Hendrix album. There's just a crowd noise. Elton John rarely plays the song verbatim to the studio version, and also sometimes will make uh, subtle or drastic changes. Uh, so that's just a little bit about uh, Benny and or Beignet and the Jets. Uh, we'll skip the lyrics. Uh, see what time? Let me time check here. Okay, let's talk about the Diddy White Party because I didn't really. Obviously, I'm like, uh, don't you know? I'm not hip, so I kind of remember it. Uh, this article is from the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Chris Gardner, and Lindsey Weinberg, uh, for 2018. Uh, the Hamptons, Modern Day Gatsby, Witty's, uh, Diddy's, excuse me, P. Diddy, uh, Diddy's White Party turns 20. Uh, it says the hip-hop mogul made an overtop splash in 98 uh, with the first party uh, to announce his revival in a Tony Enclave of, uh, in, uh, to East Hamptons uh, during a Labor Day party in his new house. It would be the inaugural installment in a series of summer white parties that eventually moved uh, around uh, the globe. Uh, and Paris Hilton said it was iconic and everybody was there. Uh, like a modern-day Gatsby, a thousand-person guest list, a strict, uh, uh, imposed a strict head-to-toe white dress code. It was stunning, said Martha Stewart, who was a guest at the first party. And it also helped that Diddy looked very handsome. In white, uh, uh, people in Hampton said uh, the first party was the end of the world. Said Stephen Gaines, uh, who wrote a book about the Hamptons. And the last white party went down in Beverly Hills in 2009. No date has been set in the return. There's a lot of pictures uh, 
uh, from it from different parties. Uh, hopefully, I don't serve pasta at it because it'll be be a mess for me. Oh, look! There's a, a, a Di, DiCaprio's there at the first one. Uh, let's see, Diddy and his family. Uh, so it's just a lot of famous people. Uh, yeah, so this, like if you're interested in seeing uh, a lot of celebrities, uh, like you say, okay, yeah, like uh, who who is there? But uh, pretty cool, you know. Tahani was there; she was a guest, according to her. Uh, but speaking of style and upping my style, let's check in with who Mark Jacobs is, uh, uh, American fashion designer, uh, head designer for his own label, Mark Jacobs, formerly Mark by Mark Jacobs. Uh, been produced for over 15 years, uh, discontinued, oh no, Mark, Mark by Mark Jacobs was a different line. It got discontinued in 2015. At one point, there was over 200 stores, uh, creative uh, director for Louis Vuitton, 97 to 2014. Uh, time, 2010 time, 100 most un- 100 influential people in the world. Uh, number 14 of 50 most powerful uh, gay men and women in America. Uh, let's see. Career uh, started at an avant-garde clothing boutique at 15. And uh, says Parsons, so maybe he was going to school. Par- Parsons, uh, yeah, Parsons in school. Uh, while still at school, he just sold his first line of hand-knit sweaters. Uh, he uh, worked with Robert Duffy. Duffy does Jacob Duffy designs. Uh, in 86, he was his first Mark Jacobs label. 87, he was the youngest designer to ever been awarded a fashion industry tribute, the highest tribute council on fashion designers, uh, Perry Ellis Award for New Fashion Talent. I really want to get into the style. Like, uh, I guess Wikipedia's not really the place. Oh, style. Uh, explaining as close, Jacobs says, what I prefer is that even if someone feels hedonistic, they don't look at uh Curiosity about, uh, you know, boom, 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 is more interesting to me than domination. My clothes are not hot. Never, never. Uh, audience for his fashion shows uh, typically include celebrities like Kim Gordon, Gordon and Vincent Gallo. Oscar Dale Lorena made a comment. The coat designed by Jake's, Jacobs closely res, resembled one that Dale Lorena had made. Uh, Mr. Jacob makes no pretense that fashion emerges uh, full-blown through the head of uh, one solitary genius. Uh, makes no pretense that that happens. Uh, Jacob's one of the first uh, fashion designers to establish streetwise aesthetics, a uh, mashup of preppy, grunge, and couture. It's also known for fi- being fine arts-driven uh, and uh, avant-garde AD campaigns uh, and you know, popular with uh, celebrities. Uh, so that's good to know. And let's see what else. Uh, what's this last one here? Oh, this is Shant, uh, or Shant, uh, which is S-H-A apostrophe N apostrophe T. Oh, no. Uh, Shant is a contraction of Shant or Shall Not. Shant, uh, I shunt, uh, I shunt to do that. Uh, so Tahani says that. Let's see what else. Uh, well, they talked about blogging in here. Let me just run through this real quick to finish off, and then I'll tuck in, all right? Uh, so this is from webdesignerdepot.com by the staff. It's from 2011. Brief, brief history of blogging. A lot of people say blogging is a podcast and new blogging. Uh, it's generally recognized the first blog. It was uh, links.net created by Justin Hall at Swarthmore College in 94. Wasn't until '97 the term weblog was coined uh, by Jorn Barger, blogging uh, the web as he browsed. Uh, in 1998, it was a blog in a traditional news site with the Charlotte Observer. Uh, weblog was shortened to blog in '99. That's not that old. I mean, eight, 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 19 years. Uh, Five years later, uh, William Merriam-Webster d- d- said it was the word of the year. Uh, there was a lot of different blogging platforms. Live Journal is the most popular, and then Blogger. Two thousands were a period of glow- growth. Nineteen ninety nine, according to Jesse James Garrett, there was twenty three blogs on the internet. By two thousand six, there were fifty million. 
some, you know, cover news, some cover politics, some cover fashion. Uh, there's meta blog, there was meta blogs, blogs about blogging. Uh, then, uh, number of blogs gathered yeah, starting in 2000, Boing Boing, I used to, that was with Gizmodo, Gawker, uh, Huffington Post, Wonkyet, yeah, just a little bit about it. Then there was WordPress, uh, yeah, so you just wanted to get on it. Oh, Tumblr, uh, is another one. Marco, uh, that makes Overcast worked there at the very beginning, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit about it and, uh, yeah, I hope you're, uh, yeah, let me just do some thank yous and, uh, you know, a good place will be back in, uh, you know, season. Good night.